Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about how high mortgage rates could go, as well as existing home sales and inventory. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Holy Toledo, Sarah Wheeler. <laughs> this it's is a crazy week. This is a crazy week. Okay, so unfortunately, I feel like I have to start out this podcast by asking you about 8% mortgage rates. Like, what is going on? Yes. Um, the Fred Presser, you know, it, it's really interesting because we were talking about rates before we, you know, got to New York. And when I went on CNBC at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, one of the things they asked me about, what, what do you think about the Fed and housing? And I said, you know, the feds pr probably in their own interest want to keep home sales depressed. So let's, let's be mindful of that when they have their comments. And, you know, if they let the bond market kind of get out of hand, even though they're very um, happy with where real yields are, that in a sense gives you kind of their mindset of the housing market. And, and, and I've said this all year long, when Neil Kashkari came on TV early in the year and said, 6% mortgage rates is a problem for the Fed. That should have been a wake-up call for everyone. That home sales not crashing anymore like they did was viewed as a bad uh, uh, thing in the Federal Reserve's mind in fighting inflation, which I still haven't figured that out one yet because inflation doesn't flow with home prices. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, when they asked about uh, uh, the lock-in effect with uh, uh, Jay Powell, he's like, we, we don't even think about it. You know, that's not and, and that's the that's kind of the correct answer. If you're if you're dealing with inflation and employment, you know, the the the, the mortgage rate lockdown premise uh, doesn't really come into play unless the job market is weaker. And of course, what happened the day after the Federal Reserve is jobless claims data came in very good, better than anyone expected. Now, some people say, well, the seasonality of it. And of course, we're going to have some some uh, seasonality perks in every uh, jobless claims, but it's been going down for some time now. And so is continuing claims. So the the one data line that I focused the, the whole year on has gotten noticeably better recently. Um, and, you know, even though job openings has fallen, the job growth rate, jobless claims is the main thing for the Federal Reserve and the bond market, because when claims break, that means the labor market broke. And I think one, one way I tried to explain this, especially to my stock trader friends, let's say we were all in a coma and then 20 years we wake up and somebody tells us, oh, by the way, jobless claims is under 300,000 for the last 12 months and job openings are over 8 million. Any person would go, oh my God, the labor market is hot. You know, so look at it in that way. And with the claims data that came in today on top of everything else with the Fed, the bond market broke above that, you know, four point uh, uh, three, four percent level that I've been focusing on, and it just shot up higher. Now, the one thing interesting so far today, so this is on Thursday that we're talking about. So Friday or Monday morning might be completely different. The spreads aren't as bad as it used to be. So mortgage rates haven't actually gotten to the uh, yearly high yet. I think the last print is uh, 7.47, at least the, the one I'm tracking. 
Uh, and it's, I mean, we're, we're talking about just a very small basis points under spreads aren't as bad as it used to be. If they were as bad, you know, we're, we're 7.85 around there uh, uh, on the national averages. So that happened this week. Uh, um, and again, jobless claims are low, even though the jobs data is not as tight. The Federal Reserve did not make any kind of effort to kind of make sure the bond yields behave right. And, you know, as always, housing is not their thing. So they they have no problem making that the sacrificial lamb. And I think part of the maybe um, more positive takes the, the Fed has had on housing is cover for letting the long bond yields go up higher and mortgage rates higher because the short-term rate hike story is pretty much done. Even if they have one more, it's that that's pretty much over with. Uh, but the long end of the market or uh, the 10-year yield or 30-year yields, them rising right now, usually that's kind of what happens toward the end of an expansion. We The inverted yield curve steepens and you know we haven't had that happen yet. So it's a lot to take in in, in a week, a uh, very interesting week, but uh, that's where we're at. And again, jobless claims are good. Jobless claims have been trending good for some time. Job openings are still over 8 million. So the labor market is not as tight, but it's not broken. And that's the key. And, you know, a few months ago, we talked about what 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 does it mean if there's a if the labor market still stays good and the economy expanding or a soft landing, rates could stay higher for longer. But this one, uh, this one gets more interesting for the Fed because real yields are restrictive right now. What do they do going out in the future and staying consistent with my theme? The Fed will not pivot until the labor market breaks. The labor market is not broke. So here we are today dealing with this. I mean, it feels <laughs> it feels like if you're in the mortgage industry, you cannot cut get a break. You can't catch a break because you're thinking, great, the Fed decided not to raise rates. You know, that should be good news. I should be looking at rates going lower. And, and the opposite happened. That doesn't make sense to most people. Yeah, you know, whenever you're at a key technical level and the wording is very hawkish, that'll break. And we've had some abnormal bond yield events recently uh, uh, in the last seven days. So uh, it, it's getting a very itchy finger out there uh, for bond traders. And uh, uh, we, we saw that this week. But uh, again, the Fed, this is just my take. The Fed won't pivot until jobless claims break. And I have that 323,000 number and we're close to 200,000. So we are far from that. And the bond market took us up. But the question now is, with the Fed saying that we are, you know, restrictive right now, how much will bond yields need to go for them to start to maybe intervene in the conversation and saying we don't want this to continue? Okay, well, so we talked about rates. Um, let's talk about some other things that are going on. Existing home sales. Existing home sales, interesting, because, uh, you know, the year-over-year price growth is picking up now. Uh, I'm not a big fan of median sales prices. I just think it's it's not the most effective way for pricing. Uh, and, you know, the lower-end homes are obviously uh, acting better. And, uh, you know, if it was if it was the higher end homes, you can make a case that uh, existing home prices um, may be a little bit inflated because of that. But that's not the case here. It's it's just the uh, the, the lower the lower price markets are, are doing well across the country. Here we are. Today, existing home sales are near four million. We haven't broken under four million yet. 
and home prices are still rising. And I get, I get, I think again, for all my work, especially in years 2020 to 2021, trying to emphasize this is a supply story. This is not record breaking demand. This is not like the housing bubble years. And it's hard for me to get certain people convinced because they say, well, as soon as home sales go down, prices are going to crash. We just had the biggest home sale crash ever recorded history. It is almost October and the year over year data is showing actually acceleration in prices. That's more or less because the comps are really easy. That's one of the things I emphasized in the article that, you know, take the year over year comps with a little bit of grain of salt, not just for home sales, but for prices as well, because last year was historic. Guys, I cannot stress enough how historic the last kind of six months of 2022 was. Um, you know, when we talked on November 9th, when I wrote, he says, you know, it really seems like home sales want to go to 4 million. And, you know, back then we were actually near 5 million too. It wasn't like, you know, we were getting there and it's just like the, how, how the forward looking purchase apps were acting, you know, 4 million is, is that level. And if you look where purchase apps is right now, and you look at when the last time we had 4 million during COVID where we are now, we're kind of, yeah, we're there and, um, we can't grow sales. Uh, and rates are going up higher. So it's the, the the question is, you know, eventually higher rates, creating more inventory, more supply, um, price uh, cut percentages should grow. It's been a struggle in this sense, because again, even with the NAR data, negative in- inventory year over year with some time now. So that's the only way I could explain why Home prices are at all-time highs, and we're seeing a little bit of acceleration. It's just because active inventory is low, and home sales still have not been able to break under that key four million level. I've always been that four million level is has been kind of a line in the stand post nineteen ninety six, and to break that, we did it a little bit over in two thousand eight for a few months. Uh, we had the home buyer tax credit that took us underneath there. That was that was more of a, a fiasco event. So here the question is, can we get below 4 million? Yes, we can. Rates are high enough, affordability is uh, 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 bad enough. And new listings data, even though it's, uh, you know, I'm talking about we should get some flat to positive prints a year over year, uh, it's still historically low. So we can send home sales under 4 million. Uh, uh, You know, the last two weeks purchase application data was positive week to week, but that was before the big, uh, uh, increase in uh, rates and bond yields, and we'll see how that impacts the future. So uh, it's one of those crazy years that if you're not actually a housing data person, like a real one, not a kind of a doom crazy person, it it, it might be very confusing to see the data that we saw in the existing home sales report. So the article is really trying to frame it in a way for it to make sense uh, uh, that we've had, we have such a historic event between what happened from 2000 to 2012 in this country from 2013 to 2023 in terms of all the housing data. Uh, It is such a historical difference, especially with supply, that uh, trying to get people to focus on active inventory being low, new listings being low matters in terms of pricing. And that's why, you know, the trackers created. That's why we track weekly forward-looking data to give people an idea. Because I guarantee you, if I had said in September, the 10-year yield is at 4.45%. 4.45%. Mortgage rates are above 7% have been over 7%. Everyone would have said, oh, home prices are down 12, 15%. Oh, wait a second. They did say that. Even though it's not knowing where rates are. And we're here at all-time highs because I think there's there, there's people who are just, I could just see this. They're not trained housing analysts. It just looks like to me they're making stuff up. They're just like taking a percentage and just throwing it up. 
And, uh, and the weekly tracker is designed to teach people how to do that because there's such a difference between last year and this year, even on the tracking basis. So it gives people an idea to think about in the future because when it breaks, well, it'll, 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 it'll show you. And, and when, it, when it starts to recover, it'll show you there uh, as well. So speaking of starts to recover, I really feel like I know you are not a fan of uh, the whole idea that there are buyers who are being sidelined. But I, I think that this year, when you look at how high home prices are, how high rates have been, you have to think that just the normal demand that you have for housing has been put off and, you know, that there has there is some pent up demand here if rates came down. You know, I usually hate the pent up demand thesis. I think it's more of a marketing line. And, um, but in this case, in this case, uh, because we have, we had such a historic housing inflation event that there were buyers who literally said, I, I know I can't do this. You know, I need rates to get to this level, or I need, you know, my total payment level to get this up. And remember your total payment level doesn't necessarily revolve around prices, rates, you know, you get a bigger, bigger down payment, your wages rise or something. There are other variable factors that go into that. So because we had the biggest home sale crash ever, that even just an extra 500,000 home buyers makes a variable change into the data line. So in that context, I would I would agree because we saw what happened last November, December and January, that mortgage rates went from 7.375 to 5.99%. It facilitated one of the biggest month-to-month sales reports ever in history. So that is there, but rates didn't break under 6% with any meaningful fashion. Of course, it's under 6% for, for, for some builders. And then after that, you know, rates have been slowly rising up. And so we haven't had any kind of uh, traction with lower rates. But man, Sarah, it is, I, I, I can't imagine how so many people must be lost this year. If you're not reading Housing Wire or, or following me on social media to not understand why why aren't home prices down 20 or 30 percent when home sales are pretty much where they were during the worst levels of the uh, uh, housing bubble crash. And we're still having effective year over year price growth this late in the year. And again, it's just credit channels run inventory channels. Credit profiles are good. Homeowners are doing good. Active inventory is historically low. Uh, we haven't seen stress in the data yet. And we didn't see stress really last year either. New listings data had a few weeks that show year over year growth, but nothing like big in, in a meaningful way. Uh, um, but uh, uh, I, I'm always worried about the rubber band effect, you know, here. Uh, if this goes another year and you have now, let's say, 2.7 million home buyers waiting, when you're working from such low level in sales, uh, uh, it can create a little uh, burst in demand when rates fall. And then again, we're if we're still here with this low of inventory, it becomes problematic uh, again. And this is the whole premise, the whole concept of the savagely unhealthy housing market really started at the end of uh, the summer of 2020. Like, okay, this is not a good place to be in. It's because of what we're dealing with right here, right? You know, this, this buyer and seller struggle and the affordability issues and sellers are buyers and sellers are, hey, I can't afford it. doesn't really make sense for me. And, you know, what, what goes on in this market? And even with all that, we're still going to have near 5 million total home sales this year. So let's talk about inventory because, you know, we talked about last week, we've changed the tracker a little bit. It's just coming out earlier. 
Um, you're getting this amazing data from Altos Research. And so you can, you know, before anybody except those people at Altos, um, what exactly is happening? So what do you expect this weekend? You know, I'm hoping my heart doesn't get broken. I've been waiting for eleven to 17,000 weekly active listings number. Um, you know, I expected with higher rates, the inventory growth can pick up and it hasn't to the fashion I want. Uh, but, you know, weakness in demand, days on market growing should be able to grow the inventory a little bit faster. Uh, new listings data, I'm still, you know, waiting for the second half of the year to get at least a flat to year over year print. That's another thing I talked about on CNBC is, you know, I think we're forming a bottom here. And because we're forming a bottom, it doesn't really take much to move the needle, even though it might be still near all time lows, getting some positive year over year is good. We got to get a bottom in that data line. Uh, so I'm hoping that today and Monday, when people are hearing this, that I get 11 to 17,000 weekly active listings growth. Cause again, more supply, more choices, which means that whenever rates do fall, let's just say it goes back down to six and a half percent, nothing, nothing dramatic. There's more choices for people, right? And that's after all the housing inflation we have seen uh, since 2020. That to me is is, is such a key data line. Uh, uh, and growth in inventory to me is a positive. Uh, I'm a very pro supply person, but I have not gotten what I wanted this year, and rates have been higher. Um, the slope of the inventory curve is very slow, kind of normal in a normal marketplace. And to me, again, it's part of this is home sales aren't really crashing or going negative in a very big way. We just had one big positive principle. We're just, we're just pretty much just hanging around here at 4 million. And that has not facilitated the inventory growth that I thought. So uh, we get a few more of these. And what I'm, what I'm hoping doesn't happen this Monday uh, uh, is that the new listings data takes a dive because of rates. Uh, that's the one thing I've been mindful of and keeping an eye of. And so far, I have not seen anything to that nature. We've had some volatility in the data. And we got to start setting up for the spring of 2024. And again, to me, the spring of 2024 is going to be such a, 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 a big event because we might have for the first time a very normal uh, uh, spring inventory season and uh, not have the three abnormal events like we had in the last three years. And I think that'll be uh, critical. And the closer we get to the end of the year, we'll focus more on that. Hopefully this, you know, 2024 spring, we'll actually see a lot more growth when we normally would. I mean, this year for a lot, a, a good part of the year, I think we were in July and January still had the most active listings over July, which is crazy. Yeah. What, what, what's been abnormal lately is that usually January inventory, the bottom is set. In January and February, the single active listings grows. We've got that seasonal slope, and then we have the seasonal decline. What's occurred lately is that we have a very late start to the year. So it's like April 14th was the seasonal bottom. That's like the longest time ever in history. And then we have a very slow curve, and then the seasonality impacts us. Now, inventory is going to uh, have a little bit more of a seasonal uh, increase longer, but we always hit that seasonal bottom. And here is just, I'm hoping that we just have a year where January, February is the bottom and we rise. And we're not like April, March, June, where, you know, we haven't even risen above the the, the lows we saw in January. That, that again, that's, that's not a normal functioning market. That's not something we traditionally see. But part of it is active listings are low. Part of it, if you get a, just a little bit of demand curve higher, it takes homes out of the market. So I, like I've always stressed, what, what people sometimes forget 
is, of course, sellers or buyers and lower mortgage rates, you get more transaction. But if a first time home buyer, which finances 90 percent of plus, they're not giving you a house. They're just you know bidding for what's out there. So the bigger mortgage buyer actually impacts the inventory curve more. So that's why when lower rates happen, inventory doesn't grow. The mortgage rate lockdown is not a thing in terms of creating active listings. You could create more demand, but it also facilitates the one buyer profile that does not need or does not give you a piece of shelter for it. And that's why if you look at the inventory data for many years, it's been slowly moving higher. Guess what? The millennials have been slowly buying up more and more homes. Voila, 2020 to 2024 comes. The last three years have been just so abnormal that that I'm just hoping that we just get a, a normal year in 2024. We will be fighting about the mortgage rate lockdown, really debating at Housing Market Annual. That is coming up. So listeners, if you are not signed up yet, if you're not registered, you should join us. It's October 10th through 12th in Austin. Logan is going to kick it off with a, um, a great talk about the housing market. And then he and I are going to end it with a live podcast. And we are going to include audience members. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm finally taking him on in this debate. So Join us there. And in the meantime, we will uh, continue to do this. And Logan, thank you so much. Pleasure is all mine, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insights.